0: Today, January 6th, is Epiphany, a day that was celebrated or is celebrated by the the Eastern uh, Christian religions. It's recognized as the day the wise men found and worshipped Jesus Christ. Hello there, this is Bill Woods, still in exile uh, because of a broken leg. I can hardly wait to be able to be up and going and doing the things I feel like I need to be doing again. But today, I want to ask you the question, were the wise men really so smart? Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12 said, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Well, king Herod was so deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, five or six miles south of Jerusalem, which was David's hometown. This is where the wise men finally came. Bethlehem means house of bread. Seems appropriate for the village where the bread of life was to appear. Christ was born in the days of Herod the Great. He was a cruel man, almost without conscience. Herod began his career as a military man, but pushed his way to the top in politics. He first governed Galilee, added Syria, and finally was made king of Judea by Augustus in 37 B.C. Herod was a Jew, was not a Jew, but an Edomite, which would be a descendant of Esau. His ruthless leadership style perpetuated a triangle of conflict between himself, the Jewish leaders, and Caesar. Herod didn't follow the Jewish religion. He never let it influence him politically. He deprived the Sanhedrin of its civil power, relegating its members to just a religious role— Herod built a theater in Jerusalem and held games there every five years, and his subjects hated him, but they were afraid of him. Rebuilding the temple was his greatest architectural achievement. As he got older and closer to death, his anger became uncontrollable, and in spite, uh, and to spite the Jews, he erected a golden eagle at the temple gate and act uh, uh, he interpreted as sacrilege and insult because he couldn't discern the truth from lies and gossip Herod wasn't loyal to his family or friends he was suspicious of everyone because he worried somebody would take over his throne he was responsible for the death of his favorite wife Mariamne. I don't know if I said that right M-A-R-I-A-M-N-E his mother-in-law, two brothers-in-law, and three sons. In the end, Herod murdered Merrimony, her two sons, her brother, her grandfather, and her mother, a woman of the vilest stamp who had often aided his sister Salome's schemes. Besides Doris and Merimony, Herod had eight other wives and had children by six of them. When he found he was actually dying, he sent for the principal men of the Jewish nation to come to him at Jericho on penalty of death if they disobeyed. He ordered them locked in the Hippodrome. Because he was afraid he would die without being lamented, he gave orders to his sister Salome that when he died, before any announcement was made, all those leaders were to be killed. This would guarantee that there would be mourning at his death. Herod was a real jewel. He was one of those guys you would really want as a best friend. So imagine his reaction when the wise men entered his palace looking for the new king of the Jews. It was logical for these men. I, I don't know how many there were. We talk about three kings, but there were probably more. Anyhow, it was logical for them to come to Jerusalem, the capital city, and go to the palace looking for a king. They had evidently trekked for months to see this baby king. Herod was troubled. This time he was sure his throne was being threatened. So he interrogated the wise men and got all the information they could from them. Uh, When had the star appeared? Where were they when they first saw the star? And Questions like that. He called the chief priests and scribes together to find out the prophecies where the Christ was to be born. The Jewish scholars were ready with the answer. They said Bethlehem of Judea because Micah 5.2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrata, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, and yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. Now, how interesting that it was that the pagans who took the long journey to see Jesus knew why they had come. They had crude instruments, little knowledge, but they came. And the Jewish hierarchy, who had the Pentateuch and the writings of the prophets, and they knew all about what was supposed to happen, that they should have been Uh, you know the ones that were saying hey the messiah has been born here they should have been thrilled because god had finally sent their promised messiah but they didn't even try to verify it it's like a lot of churches today like a lot of old seasoned christians you know I knew a pastor who tried to separate the new converts from the old Christians because the old Christians would quell the enthusiasm of the new ones. New people would be excited about Jesus, and the old ones would say, yeah, well, we used to feel that way too, but, you know, we've kind of settled down. And they would tell them all that that couldn't be done and that they would settle down soon and begin to realize that, you know, just settle into it. God help us not to get so stale that we lose our drive, our vision, and our enthusiasm. Herod called the wise men privately. Now this was very clever. And he asked again when the star appeared. He told him to find the child and report back to him so that he could come worship too. He didn't want to worship. He wanted to kill this child remove the threat to his throne. An important truth is that The ungodly cannot frustrate God's plans. I mean, you know, Satan keeps trying to stop the things that God plans, but Satan can't do anything about it, neither can anybody in our government or anybody that's fighting Christianity today. When the wise men started the last lap of their journey, they again saw the star shining overhead and led them to where the young child was. Seeing this star again filled them with joy. They knew that they would now see the baby Jesus, the Messiah that God sent to the world. The implication is these wise men lost sight of the star while they were consulting Herod. If they'd only paid attention to the star instead of seeking human guidance, they would have been led to Bethlehem in the first place. The horrible massacre of the baby boys would have been avoided. It sounds like maybe the wise men weren't so smart after all, doesn't it? You know, we bring heartache and pain to ourselves and others when we jump ahead of God. Often because we are no smarter than the wise men, we cause trouble for ourselves and others because we seek human advice, human direction from the wrong people when we should depend upon God for his direction. Remember, Adam did what his wife told him to do in the garden rather than obey God's command, and it cost him and every person since then death and heartaches brought on by sin. Check Genesis chapter 3. Israel often suffered the wrath of God because they listened to the murmuring and complaining of the people and rebelled against God and his chosen leaders. When the wise men came into the house, They saw the young child, and they fell to their knees and worshipped him. By this time, Jesus wasn't the baby in the manger like so often is portrayed. They didn't come to the stable. Jesus was a toddler, and Mary and Joseph and Jesus were living in a house at this time. You know, God rewards our faithfulness when we follow him. The Magi presented their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which seems kind of funny to give to a baby. I mean, why shouldn't they bring something a baby would like to play with? But because these gifts would transfer into the money needed for Joseph to take his family safely to Egypt, uh, God had provided for the financial needs of the move. Also, the gifts verified that these Magi knew who Jesus was. Gold is for a king. Frankincense is for a priest. Myrrh is embalming fluid which recognized Jesus' meaning on earth or his purpose of being here to die for our sins. It wasn't the wise men's fault, but those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh have gotten us into a lot of trouble. They have made us think that the chief message of Christmas is giving. In reality, the message is one of receiving. Giving is relatively easy. To give makes you feel like, you know, you're somebody. When we give, we are exercising initiative and satisfying a deep craving within. When we give, we put someone else in our debt. When we give, we increase our control over others. That makes us feel good. Receiving is different. Receiving means submission. It means letting go of the initiative and accepting other people's tastes and ideas and opinions. It means putting ourselves in debt to other people or to another person. That is why receiving is so difficult. It is why so few people, particularly adults, want to receive Jesus Christ. There are plenty of people trying to give to him by joining a church or putting money in the offering plates, but how many are receiving him? God warned the wise men not to go back to Herod, but to travel home another way. God satisfied the quest of these wise men like he does for all who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, that's, that's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It's, uh, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The same eternal God satisfies today. We're, we're starting a new year, 2024. Can you believe it? We don't know what lies ahead, but we know God holds our future in his hands. We must keep our eyes on God and let him guide us. Never rely solely on other people for advice and never forget to pray for God's guidance. Never rely solely on your own judgment, but seek God's will and guidance. Now, back to the question I started with, were the wise men really so smart? Imagine the pain, sorrow, and agony they could have avoided for the people of Bethlehem if they'd just been smart and kept their eyes on God's guiding light and not diverted their journey to inquire of Herod. The wise men caused trouble for the baby boys of Bethlehem because they relied on others rather than God. They lost sight of the star when they sought information from Herod. We live in exciting days. Ancient prophecies are fulfilled every day. 2024 could be the year Jesus will come for his church. I want to live like it is. So many people wish for the good old days when things were better. The older we get, the greater and better those days seem to have been. Don't waste your time dwelling in the past. That doesn't accomplish anything for you or for God. Live for now and prepare for the future. I remember when I was in the fifth grade that we—I went on a trip with a, a f- friend's family. We had to travel through the Horse Heaven Hills there up in Washington. I was stuck in the middle back seat. I couldn't see out either window. I couldn't see out the windshield. I, If I wanted to look, I had to gaze over my friend's shoulder or watch through the rearview mirror at what we had just passed. I could not endure that situation for long. With curvy two-lane roads, I couldn't see the next curve coming because where I was looking, it didn't match what my body was feeling. "'I got carsick in a minute. "'I learned quickly with my stomach turning flip-flops "'I should keep my eyes on the road ahead. "'That way I could gaze at the golden light "'of the sun shining down on the green fields "'and the leaves of the trees as they passed them. "'That way I could enjoy what was coming next "'instead of getting sick over what was already left behind.' That trip was an object lesson. It taught me you can't live your life looking in the rearview mirror. 2023 was a difficult year. It's time to file it in your memory and move on. If you want to enjoy the beautiful moments of today, you have to see them as they happen. God doesn't want you to live in the past. He wants you to embrace the joy that each new day brings. He wants you to realize the preciousness of every second and use them all to love him and others and yourselves keep your eyes on the road ahead and trust god to lead you home do his will always god promised he would send the messiah to solve the sin problems that bound the human race well he kept that promise by sending jesus to be our savior jesus then promised he will come again to take us to his home prepared for those who love and obey him john chapter 14 1 through 3 says don't let your hearts be troubled trust in god and trust also me there is more than enough room in my father's home if this were not so would i have told you that i'm going to prepare a place for you When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. God kept his promise. He sent our Savior, born in Bethlehem in a manger. God will keep his promise to come and take us to our eternal home too. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would say repent. Ask his forgiveness and start living for him. Get your name in his book of life and keep your eyes on the road ahead and trust Jesus to take you through every situation. You know... I've been praying that God would use this podcast to reach people for Jesus Christ. and I would like to say today, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, this would be a good time for you to bow your head, confess your sins to Jesus, ask him to forgive you your sins and change your life, ask him to be your Savior and your Lord. I want to pray for you. Dear Jesus, I would pray for each one that's listening to this podcast today. Help us, Lord, to be smarter than the wise men were to get our eyes diverted from you and on something else. Help us, Jesus, to focus on the fact that you came to be our Savior and our Lord, that if we confess our sins to you, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, I would ask for those who don't know you as their personal Savior, that this would be a day that they would decide to serve Jesus Christ, and to become part of your family. I would ask also, Lord, for those who are going through difficult times today, and there's several from our church. I would pray, God, that you'll be with them and encourage them. I think, Lord, about the, the different ones, Richard Powers that needs our prayers, Judy Pritchard that needs our prayers. I think about uh, Sharon O'Dell who just lost her husband. I'd pray for all these people, but Lord, most of all, I'd pray that you'll help us, each one, to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. It's so good to be able to talk to you. I I pray that God will use this. If you want to get in touch with me, remember my mailing address is Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. Uh, I Also, I want to have you remember that my email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. Again, I get flooded with so many gmails and stuff that if I happen to miss you, please try again. And then if you want to talk to me directly or you want to send a message That would be 623-845-2741. God bless you. I hope that as we start a new year that you're willing and ready to do all that God wants you to do this year and trust him for victory.